2: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, Mr. David Hudson. David, how are you, sir? Great. How are you? I am wonderful. It's been a while. It has, it has, but we had a fantastic episode out featuring Mr. Kevin Kinney, and we've got some great stuff on the horizon, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Jason Johannes, he did, you know, he did yeoman's work on that. (laughs) Just kidding.
3: Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you filling in for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, things are going good. Welcome our new patron, Steve Sumner, who you're going to hear from here in a little bit. <laughs> As always, thank you to everybody that's been um, joining us on Patreon. I I recently sent out uh, a cryology on vinyl and uh, a postcard from the Edge, one of Johnny's books, in this past
2: week. What all have you sent out? I did a Johnny book, and I had some vinyl go out and a couple of CD things. It's, what, uh, it's what all a vi- blur. What vinyl and CDs did you send out? Uh, they were two non-Cros related. Uh, one was a David Bowie, one was a Tom Petty's Greatest Hits, and uh, CD was a the latest Jerry Garcia archival release and a copy of Drive-By Trucker's latest album. See, people are getting their money's worth. They are, and we did just introduce a new feature on Patreon called Inside the Episode, give you some behind-the-scenes stuff, some outtakes from each episode, and that's exclusively on the Patreon platform.
3: Yeah, so uh, thank you everybody that's been listening and joining us on, on Patreon. We really appreciate it, and uh, we hope you're getting your money's worth because we're,
2: we're putting a lot of time and effort into it. Yes, absolutely. So dealings in the Crows world lately, something pretty cool happened not too long ago.
3: Yeah, I mean, go to a show at a winery outside of Seattle, and lo and behold, Peter Buck and Kim Thall joined the Crows. Peter did The One I Love with uh with the band and then kim came out along with everybody else and peter buck and did velvet underground's rock and roll i mean it's pretty cool that you had one of the leading guitar players of grunge and you had peter buck the guy that basically invented the jangly alternative sounding guitar sound and then you had you know rich robinson there so a lot of firepower. i think they could have picked a better song than rock and roll to cover but uh, if i would have been there i wouldn't have complained
2: Before people come after you with a pitchfork, David, uh, technically Roger McGuinn invented that jankly guitar sound.
3: (laughs) Yeah, but you know, I'm talking about applying it to the alternative. No, I know. I'm just joking. The one I love, I thought that was kind of an interesting cover for them. I kind of thought they would have dug earlier in the catalog. Because what they play, they played Seven Chinese Brothers at that acoustic gig, right? With Yes, which was an
2: absolute treat for me. I love the album that comes from and That's one of my favorite songs on that album.
3: I would have liked to have seen them play "Driver 8." That's my favorite REM song.
2: That was a cool one. Yeah, I was surprised at the one I loved because I mean it's a great tune, but it was a later entry and it was uh, a, a much bigger hit than you know. I, usually they kind of go deep with that stuff, you know.
3: Mm-hmm. But it
2: sounded good. I mentioned, I, I, you know,
3: I know they have a long established relationship to some degree with Peter Buck, but the
2: Kim, I wonder how that one came to be. Yeah, it does seem like an unusual pairing because I've never heard any of the members of the Black Crows at any point, you know, discuss an affinity for Soundgarden or anything like that. Who knows
3: how that happened, but it's pretty cool that he
2: was willing to go up there and jam with them. Do you see this as kind of like them inching their way back into the, uh, the old days a little bit, you know, trying to get a little more creative and stretch out and not have, you know, as they, as they depart from the every night, shake your money maker kind of thing. I hope so. I would like to
3: see them mix the covers up. You know, it's just four or five that they're pulling from, which, you know, back in the day, you get Big Time, you get Torn and Frayed, you get boomer Story, you never really knew what it was going to be, and that was kind of the, the fun of it. When you go and you know there's going to be one of the same three or four songs, it's fine. I mean, they played Papa Was a Rolling Stone when I saw them. That was perfectly fine. But to me, it's the spontaneity of it, you know. You just don't know what you're going to get. That's what I really enjoy about like picking covers. And usually when they do pick covers, they're not – The quote-unquote hits from that band,
2: for the most part, I'd like to see them do what they did with Big Time, like cover something that's fairly recent. You know what I mean? Uh, That 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 was to me that's one of the most exciting covers they've ever done, just based solely on the fact that it was a new song at the time. Yeah,
3: break out one cover one of these newer Marcus King songs. Yeah, I mean there's a there's a wealth of material out there. I could even see Chris being able to handle a rival son's song.
2: Yeah, I mean that's definitely in their wheelhouse, but maybe that's not. Uh, maybe he's not into that. You know, I don't know.
3: Yeah, because you know his voice is is the as soulful as it is. You know, you got to pick the right thing. But
2: and I and I kind of wish we'd get more Rich singing. Yeah, Rich has kind of stepped back into the uh, you know the just the guitar role a bit. You know, I, I like to hear Rich sing some songs. I, I was a big fan of Rich's solo output, so you know I, it would be great to
3: see. He may be the best musician i've ever seen at picking the right covers for his voice
2: oh absolutely so much so that like i'll listen to certain songs and I'll go, Oh, rich would sound good on that one speaking of uh wealth of new material out there the key trucks band has been hitting a home run every month here since uh june they just released the the third installment of the series of four new uh records that's all under you know one umbrella kind of thing and so far they've been great i haven't gotten to listen to the third one yet but from all accounts it should be great
3: I haven't had a chance really to listen to any of it. Just snippets here and there. People seem to be really enjoying it online, though. And uh, I think they're giving some other people in the band a chance to sing. And There was one song on the first EP that people were just going nuts over
2: Derek's guitar playing on. Yeah, I'm a little fuzzy on the name still, just because you know, I mostly just hit play and then have a listen. But uh, I I streamed a performance of theirs from July. You know, on Nugs, and they played a lot of that new material, and it really fit into their set nice. And not that, not that's not to say it's kind of derivative of their old stuff. It just kind of fit in nice. But you're right, though. There is a lot of the other band members taking center stage and, and singing lead vocal. Uh, you know, Susan's always putting on a clinic in terms of uh, soulful vocals, and Derek's playing is spot on. So you know, I figured since uh, Susan was a well-loved guest of ours from the past, I'd mention that new album. Oh, yeah, she's great. One of my favorite people we've ever talked to. Yeah, I guess all that was written
3: during the quarantine. And I tell you one of the interesting things is I think we're starting now, just now, really
2: starting to see a lot of the fruits of the quarantine. I think a lot of the material for these bands that was written during that time. And now they're just getting back together with you know the entire group and fleshing everything out. And now this is when you're going to start seeing those new records and all this all this wealth of stuff. So at least something positive can come out of that whole situation. I wish the Crows would have spent that time recording. I want new music so bad. I want to hear what it's going to sound like. It's, I'm attracted to that you know, for a number of reasons. You know, Of course, you always want to hear new material by the Crows, but I'd be interested to see in what vein they're writing in. I want to hear what George Cooley does with this material. I'd love to hear the new band on this material. You know, it's, there's a lot of new factors involved that makes it very exciting. I would really want us to have new music by next summer. It would be nice. I, I I would tend to think that that was going to be the plan, because then that would allow for another summer of touring. I'm, I don't I don't i do not know if you and I have even talked
3: about this, but I'm going to try to put together a group of people to go to uh, Miramar Beach, Florida, to see them at the uh, Moon Crush Festival in April. It's the Black Crows, it's Jason Isbell, it's the Black Pumas, it's Marcus King, it's the Avett Brothers, J.J. Gray, and Mofro. We're going to try to get a group together for that, so if you're listening to this and Are interested in going, um, just get a hold of us. And I I think we'll probably have to pull the trigger on all this in October, but that's a killer lineup. It's over four days on the beach. It's going to be fun.
2: Yeah. If we can uh, make that happen and do our, another state of market road trip, that would be a fantastic thing.
3: Yeah. And I I promise not to wear a black crow's speedo on the beach. (laughs) I, t- I think we need that in
2: writing just to ensure that that doesn't Hey, matter.
3: if enough of you don't come, it's going to happen. We'll put it on Instagram, <laughs> and, and then everybody will quit following us.
2: <laughs> and just tarnish our our well-earned legacy. Yeah. but So this week, David, we have a very special guest. You mentioned him earlier. He did happen to just join us on our Patreon. But he is also the co-host of a great podcast called McCartney and Goal. Very interesting concept. You should definitely check it out. Listen to their episodes based out of the U.K., and joining us for this week is Mr. Steve Sumner. These are some of my
3: favorite types episodes that we do. He's a fan of the band. We have him on. don't really have that much of a script, so to speak, to go by. We knew we were going to talk about By Your Side some. But other than that, I just love chatting with, with fellow Crows fans in a long-form
2: podcast. Yeah, yeah, you find out some very interesting things. And it's always interesting to hear people's journey with the Black Crows. I, I'm always forever fascinated with that kind of thing. Yeah, and they did a Black
3: Crows episode on Southern Harmony.
2: Yes, that's actually how I came to find Steve in a way. I started listening to that around the anniversary of Southern Harmony, just to kind of commemorate the occasion. And uh, I read who was involved in the podcast, and I see Steve Summer, and I said, I know him. I've seen him around the Black Crows community and things. So I reached out to him, and we uh, made this happen. I think uh, it was a really fun conversation
3: yeah it was a good time super nice guy and uh, we're just now starting to get to know him but i I, i'm excited about the interview you're about to hear
2: yes definitely a new friend of the show and please do go check out mccartney and gold podcast you won't be disappointed it's a real fun listen all right david so what do you say we uh we throw it on over to our time with steve sumner All right, everybody. So joining us today, very special guest, a gentleman that uh, has been around the Crows community for a long time and also hosts his own podcast called McCartney and Goal. Everybody, please welcome Mr. Steve Sumner. Steve, how are you doing?
1: Hello. Very well. Thank you. Very excited to to be here. I I would say I would say I, I, I sort of initially when you asked me to come on, I was very sort of honored and very humbled. And then I realized that you were just trying to find everybody called Steve s in the whole world who knows anything about music so i'm i feel a little bit far down the steve pecking order once yeah. i realized that was going on
2: a lot of our conversations go you know steve said this which one okay you know <laughs> i've
1: never seen anything like it but i was going back through the episodes going this is this is statistically beyond improbable this is-
2: <laughs> now when we go on to uh do the zoom hangs through the patreon and there's there's more than one david that gets confusing too so you know
1: the Patreon thing is, um, I realized uh, I, I want to sign up for the Patreon thing. And I, and I was about an hour before the meeting. I was like, I've got to sign up. And I, and I was and I was getting it wrong and going to the wrong links. And I thought, you know what? Rather than panic and try and do this now, I'll, I'll admit in the first five minutes that I was singularly failing to do it. <laughs> And and that'll give them a nice way to explain once again because it can never be explained too often <laughs> how to how to sign up for it properly because it is amazing it's amazing what you're doing you know I mean I don't I don't I'm sure there are other people doing the sort of things you're doing but I don't know anybody I don't know anything like that the fact that you're sort of just taking a little bit of money from people to to give back so much sort of love to to the Black Crow's community is just crazy cool I love it oh, well thank you sir yes that's I mean
2: that's what ultimately what we're trying to do it's not a profiteering scheme or anything you know no no no. i know that yeah <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about mccartney and gold first and foremost
1: when well, it's one of those things as to i suppose it comes down to why do people set up you know why do people like us set ourselves speaking here you know set podcasts up and i guess that we set up for different reasons in as much as you i guess set up because you were you know, huge Black Crows fans and you wanted to sort of link to that community and see if there was an audience out there for that. Whereas what happened with us was it was a classic example of, I think I got a phone call saying, we're going around Dave's house. He's going to make a podcast. I was like, yeah, of course he is. You know, and we recorded just some sort of random chat about Let It Be. And the next thing you know, he's, you know, put it on the internet and it's a podcast and you think, yeah, whatever. And suddenly you've got an audience, and um, that's a, that's an interesting thing because really, it became especially once the pandemic kicked in, we weren't able to see each other. It became a a way to hang out with each other and a way to, to just just be with each other and be friends and and and, and make each other laugh and you know shit and swear at each other and disagree about music and all those things that we would have done anyway. Um, but suddenly you're recording it and editing it and taking it seriously and, and, and putting it out there. So McCartney and Goal is is a sport, I suppose it's a sports competition format where we take an album that at least one of us loves, hopefully we're all at least familiar with, um, and we put the songs through sort of different rounds and and sort of put them through and they go through to the sort of quarterfinals and then the semifinals and then eventually you get to a final and vote for technically what should be the best song on the album. But, but the way that these draws work, of course, it ends up being quite controversial because things will get drawn against each other and there'll be some awful draw where, you know, two of the terrible songs get together. So, you know, and then two of the best songs are pitted against each other, so suddenly you lose, you know, something absolutely iconic because um, it, it causes consternation. You know, so we've just put out an REM episode where the, the final was um, the two most obvious songs on that album, which doesn't happen very obviously, very. Right. regularly it's, it's usually not that orthodox usually you know you end up with some sort of ridiculous pairing where at least one person's very upset
2: <laughs> <laughs> see that's i i think that's the most interesting aspect of the of mccartney and goal is that it's not like every other podcast that runs down an album it kind of takes that interesting yeah. pit pit them against each other stance and i really enjoyed the first one i ever heard was uh, the southern harmony episode so i really enjoyed that and, and, and all the episodes are fantastic
1: that episode, well, thank thank you very much, firstly. But I mean, that that episode was hellish for me, <laughs> and actually, we learned a lot doing the Southern Harmony episode. But I mean, I'm, I'm I'm really glad you enjoyed it, and actually, I've I've got over myself now, and I, I've listened to it since, and I, I think it's 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 okay, it stands up. But it's about when when you've got three people who have strong views on an album, even if like two of them hate it, you know, and one of them loves it, but you all really know it or you've all got up for it. That's when the best episodes happen. And, and the, that was the first time that I sort of said, look, I really want to do this particular album for a number of reasons. And, and of course, one of them was sort of vaguely into it. The other one was like, oh, I don't really care. And I, <laughs> and, I, and I spent the whole episode thinking, this is just me lecturing people about Mark Ford solos, you know, and sort of, <laughs> it's just like just digging myself into a deeper and deeper hole of, of, you know, um, boredom on the other side it doesn't come across like that in the end but at the time i mean i was really there was sweat pouring off me during that episode
2: <laughs> see now i think you were doing the lord's work because you can't tell enough oh, people yeah, about mark yeah. ford you know he's absolutely very underrated
1: right. i would
3: absolutely. i would sign up for i would sign up for a class where i got lectured about mark ford solos well,
1: me too absolutely right i'd go through a whole semester of that not a problem but, but trying to do it when you've got an audience of, uh, of people who aren't, aren't buying into it was, was quite pressurizing. I'm mean, Talking to you guys, I know I can say anything about the Crows and we can go off in different directions and <laughs> see where it takes us. But I didn't have that luxury that particular day. But there we go.
2: So where did your relationship with the Crows start?
1: It was, it was around about the time of, well, I know it was exactly the time of America. Um, I was aware of, of Southern Harmony. And then this odd thing happened. Do, do you know that the Royal Albert Hall in London? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so my dad was working for this, this building company and they had, um, back in the day, in you know, when that was, they, they had access to like a box, <laughs> like a box at the Royal Albert Hall. Nice. And, and I think what it was was, you know, dad wasn't, that high in the pecking order, he was He was a bit lower down, but they'd, they'd get tickets to the opera and the, you know, the ballet had come around and all these great big classical music concerts had come around and the top sort of guys would be off the ticket and they'd take their friends and schmooze and of course, you know, the, the Black Rose tickets come around and they'd give them, they offer them to the top guys and everyone's like, well, I don't know who that is. So, you know, so it keeps going sort of down the, the, the pecking order until eventually it gets to my dad somewhere in the middle there, you know, to, to a sort of level where people wouldn't usually get these free tickets. And uh, he said, look, there's this band playing at the Royal Albert Hall, though. Do you want me to, I don't know who they are. Do you want these tickets for you and your friends to go and sit in like a box? I was like, yeah, all right. Okay. So, I, so I took some sort of like-minded friends and it was just, I mean, it was absolutely life-changing i realize now that actually it's the gig that steve writes about in his book where chris goes and stands and from the stage and criticizes all the light and the things and you know and the sound and they have to sort of convince him to change it and, and then he thinks it was his idea in the first place And i was reading the book going that that's that's the gig, that's the, gig <laughs> I into the crows. this is insane and um i went to it and this was in the day way before the smoking ban where they had they have these huge mushrooms that, that would have these concrete mushrooms that would hang down from way up in the ceiling to stop, to sort of dampen the sound. Mm-hmm. And so between, so I'm sitting up here in this box going, oh, we're in a box. This is fun. We've got our own toilet. This is crazy. You know, we're just, you know, we're just young people mucking about thinking this is going to be whatever it is. And there was this huge visible cloud of marijuana. <laughs> in, in the Royal Albert Hall, which was built in like the 1860s, you know, and and it, because because of these concrete mushrooms, I remember so clearly. It was hanging just above the people's heads, but just below the mushrooms because the mushrooms were keeping it. Now, so that was my first experience. Was walking in and then going that I've never seen anything like that. That's that's kind of crazy. And then I don't know whether there was support or not. I've long since blanked that. And and they came on and did their thing and absolutely blew my mind. It was. You know, in my head, it was obviously Faces and Stones and it was Skinnerd and it was Zeppelin and it was all these people that I loved that, but it was happening now for me, you know? And it was yeah. just absolutely melting my brain. And the thing I particularly remember most was... Um, Chris had a thing going on at the time like Stephen Stills did in about 1974 where he was going yeah I'm a percussionist I'm a percussionist too I'm not just a singer I'm a percussionist it's like <laughs> are you? okay you know and so I've got all these like wacky percussion across the stage and I've got like little uh, tom-toms I can hit and I've got maracas I'm going to do in this song and 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 uh, high-head blues they came up and they did high-head blues and he was he was maracas and he was banging stuff and he was moving and dancing I just I mean I this, I was in love from second one, you know, and, and and I've never, never strayed from that, never strayed since. They became incredibly important to me um, that day, and I've seen them multiple times, for better or for worse, <laughs> since. Um, but, yeah, what a, what a experience that was. But it was such a gift because there are ways you can get into bands, and that just sort of fell from the sky, you know?
2: It was meant it's, to be.
1: It was meant to be It was meant to be I didn't see it coming at all But yeah it was beautiful
2: So your particular Favorite era of the Black Crows I mean I don't want to assume The Mark Ford era You know
1: It's hard not to though isn't it Do you know know what I was listening to Warpaint earlier And I was thinking God this is great Because I'm not That's not my answer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's not my answer. Macros like fans, just be careful. Um, I mean, yeah, of course it's the Mark Ford era. I mean, I mean it's it's it has it has to be the Mark Ford Eddie Harsh lineup. You just you can't mess with that. Um I've enjoyed all the lineups in different ways, although I, Mark Ford was for me, there's a sweet spot with a guitarist, you know, cause I know you guys are Van Halen fans and I'm really not. And I am trying, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying so hard. Cause again, this guy, I'm setting up the the, the guitarist podcast where he's a huge Van Halen fan and he's sort of gently trying to ease me into it. And I think it's because my head wasn't there at the time, you know, I can't quite tune into mm. it now, but I think for me, there's a sweet spot with guitarists. You know, you've got, you've got the whole Neil Young thing where it's like no technique, all soul. And that's right. great. And that works but then the punk thing is too far for me, even though I love the idea of punk, which is, you know, there's, 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 there's not enough soul or technique for me, to, or, do, you know, for, for the, guitar and, the guitar playing. And, and then you've got the Eddie Van Halen sort of thing, which started off the Ingrid Malmsteen and the, you know, Joe Satriani thing of playing, playing like it's an Olympic sport, you know, yeah. which, and that's fine. That's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's not for me. And for me, there's a sweet spot somewhere on that scale, somewhere in the middle And Mark Ford is, slap bang in the middle of that you know which is can you play fast yeah sure i can play fast but it's never not going to have melody and it's never not going to have soul and that's a hell of a trick
2: yeah i mean mark ford definitely in my opinion is one of the most underrated guitarists of the last you know 30 years
1: is he underrated or just not very well known because i think within the community where he's known he's probably rated very highly
2: yeah no that's that's a that's a fair point i guess underrated in the sense that you know even people that don't know rock guitarists that well, know who Jimi Hendrix is, know who Jimmy Page is. Sure.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair.
2: And nobody knows who Mark Ford is outside of, you know, people that are fans of, of his work or the or the Black Crows or any of his mm. various projects, you know, or or guitar fans, you know.
1: Yeah. It's really hard to quantify why he's so great though. I think with someone like Hendrix, you can point to it and go, look, he had this thing. Mm you know, this, you, oh yeah, I can hear that's Jimi Hendrix, you know, uh, you know, or if it's David Gilmore, I can, I can hear that's Dave Gilmore, you know. And Mark Ford, maybe he doesn't have that, but it's just that when you've got, you know, a, a, a good, so, so many of the guitarists they've had in the crows since, it's that thing of, can you play really well? Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like you listen to the Audley Freed stuff on that double live album. It's like, I can't criticise anything about this, but it's not Mark Ford, is it? Yeah. You know, and I, and I can't tell you, however musical I can get, I can't put into words why it's not the same, but it's not the same.
3: Well, as Mark told us, he only plays the way he does with rich when he plays with rich.
1: Yeah. It's Which it's is... kind of, it's
3: kind of like, uh, you know, if you make a, a soup or a stew, hmm. there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And if you take something out at first, you can't really put your finger on what it was that's missing. But when you put it back in, you know, it was there. And I think that's a lot, with him. Um, I think the thing that separates him from other people, like you were saying, like, Hey, you can't quite put a finger on it. It's just that it's the emotion in the feel, Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, like he said, he goes, I've never played sometimes salvation solo the same way as I did when I recorded it because of what emotion went into it. A lot of guitar players can play a lot of notes, but like you were saying, I can listen to Joe Satriani and go, you know, what? he's an amazing guitar player. He understands theory. He understands technique. There's no emotion to it. And then you listen to David Gilmore, he plays a one one hundredth of the notes, and like it makes the hair stand up on your arm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and no, I think you fit the nail on the head there. I think that's exactly right with Mark Ford. Emotion is is is. Is where it's at. Yes, I mean that's the answer to your original question. It, it <laughs> has to be that lineup. But but I was enjoying Warpaint earlier, and I was in, I was noticing that that the whole thing with Luther, you know, it's like it was such a good move to go. I'm going to play a load of slide on this, and I'm going to play, and I'm going to have got, I'm going to have a really distinctive slide style, and it's going to bring a different flavor because such a great move. I mean, obviously it's what he does anyway, but it's such a great move to have that because you're going to get compared less to mark ford than if you're jackie green or someone you know it's like okay you're you're doing you're doing you're bringing a different flavor we can see that so we're not going to keep making these comparisons
2: well that's the the great thing about luther is in a lot of respects he's he's very similar to mark ford in that his contributions to the black crows aren't easily uh imitated Mm -hmm. whereas he maybe he didn't capture some of mark's vibe as well on on some of the older material i think if the roles were reversed i don't necessarily think mark could capture what luther was doing exactly right they both very have very distinctive voices as guitar players and that's i think luther's time in the black crows was fantastic for the original material that they did
1: yeah absolutely and i think i think i think that's why i've got to nail my colors to the master a little bit about this whole i don't care who's in the band thing it's like how can you (laughs) You not care who's in the band. It's just crazy to talk to me. I don't, I, I mean, I understand it. It's like, I do understand this. I just want to go and see a rock and roll show. But for me, it's, it's, it comes down to the the, the thing with Guns N' Roses. You know, it, it's like, I always come back to this example of Guns N' Roses was this, you know, classic lineup. And then gradually it gets diluted and diluted and diluted and completely different people. And it comes down to a name and a set of songs, which hmm. is axel Rose is going out with a load of hired hands. And what bothers me at that stage is pe- people like us, And I'm not saying that makes us better people, but I'm just saying the way we are wired, we would sort of look at who's in that band and look at how they're sounding and go, do I want to listen to that? But of course, what's happening on the street is people are going, Guns N' Roses, because he owns the name. And if he'd gone out with the same band and played the same songs and done everything aesthetically the same, but called it axel Rose and Friends, he would have been playing theaters and that bothers me because i don't want to hear buckethead play those solos i want to hear slash (laughs) play them you know (laughs) but
2: you hit the nail right on the head there because slash and miles kennedy do a fantastic show and do great job on the guns and roses material but it doesn't get the draw because it's not the name you're absolutely right in saying that and i think the same thing is true of Lynyrd Skynyrd when they originally yes. ceased being Lynyrd Skynyrd out of respect to the, to the members that, that, that were killed, they went out, you know, they were the Rossington Collins band and, and they never quite captured that. But once they were back as Lynyrd Skynyrd, it was just a whole different draw
1: for them. It's such a strange part of human nature, you mm-hmm. know, uh, But the, the way that I stop myself being too up myself about this, because I get very, you know stressed about it when i shouldn't you know is i think i, I remind myself about art, and i go look if this was art like visual art on the wall art then i'm i'm lowest common denominator guy i'm gonna go yeah i like that one <laughs> <laughs> no, that one's that was awful i don't know what i'm talking about i don't know why yeah. and i you it's really important to remind myself that just because i'm into this music thing and i'm asking you know i'm asking myself these questions i think they're valid questions but that doesn't mean that you someone else should be asking those questions because sometimes it is great to go. I love these songs. I like these guys. They look roughly like the original guys. they got the right name. It sounds fine to me. And that's, that's cool too. It's just not where I'm at. I got called a a music snob at my job not too long ago, which I am, I admit, but
3: uh, (laughs) the band, the band foreigner was going to play here. There was somebody, Oh, I'm excited. I said, you realize there's not a single person in that band that has really recorded with them. It's a cover band. Why does that matter?
0: Oh God.
3: <laughs> I mean, you know, would you Charles, you, you know, would you rather have, you know, uh a meal cooked by Wolfgang Puck or you know, <laughs> or, 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 or some or somebody just down the street when you think you're getting Wolfgang Puck? You have and I agree, we're in the minority on so much mm-hmm. of that. 80% of the people that go see the crows now at these big theaters probably think the crows are just chris and rich and i mean they're a huge part of it there is no black crows without chris and rich robinson yeah absolutely uh there's no there's no doubt about that but uh you know you have the 15 or 20 percent of people that go to shows for any band that are sticklers about who's in the lineup i have seen the new lineup twice and i have had a fantastic time yeah at both shows it's a fun loud rock show that's what i tell everybody but yeah it, it is interesting because people like you and i and, and ian here we we think we're the majority but we're not because we're kind of in a silo you know when it comes to i things. don't know what you mean um <laughs> so but you know it's just the way it is like you said it's human nature
1: yes well that there you go that's my answer to the question that was my uh that was my favorite lineup of the crows and I, i'm gonna have to stand by it
2: well originally when we uh discussed having you on steve we were talking about uh, your particular affection for by your side the album yeah. and i'm assuming the era as well. Oh okay. Gotcha, yes. uh, so let's uh, let's uh, dive into that a little bit. How did uh, what is it about because i find that through doing this podcast and and david i'm sure you can attest to this too. We've we've found a, and connected with a lot more people than i ever thought that really have a special place in their heart for mm-hmm. by your side and and i kind of do also. And uh, so I'm interested to know like why well, that is for you. It's, it's
3: kind of like uh, you have companies and politicians making decisions based on Twitter when Twitter is the absolute tiny percentage of people. Um, I think when you've been on these Black Crow's message boards, which were <laughs> the divisive form of social media going back 30 years ago, I mean, I told somebody the other day I, talking about how harsh Twitter is my man. You, if you can handle a Black Crow's message board you you got tough skin you can handle anything um and and so i think if you're in that kind of ecosystem you think that's what everybody thinks i'm not a huge fan of by your side but i am a huge fan of lions which is very yes you know it's almost
1: more divisive isn't
3: it yeah more divisive so but we have found a lot of people really like the by your side album a lot more than i would have thought
1: yeah I have to say the only time anyone's had a go at me on uh, social media was uh, uh, on a Black Crow's context was um, when I I sort of told a story about how I was watching them around by your side era in Wolverhampton in a small, quite small hall. It's one of the great things about watching them in England is they weren't that big. So you always got these tiny venues and it was just fabulous to watch them back then, which is another reason why when the, when the shaky moneymaker tour sort of, first it announced i was thinking do i want to do this because i've always seen them in like really small theaters but anyway i told this story on social media about how someone had thrown a beer and it had hit rich and then chris had kicked off and chris had stopped the gig and he's like who threw the beer and you know we're not going to play unless you know and all this and this guy came on and laid into me and said i've read that story a million times on other message boards and you know i've spread that story about the seattle gig and and I, I, it was like did, didn't it occur to him that uh it, it might've happened more than once. <laughs> I mean, I was definitely there. It definitely happened. I'm not stealing this story when I was, I was there, but it was interesting because it was that thing of, you know, however badly they've been getting on. It was that family thing of you hit rich with a beer. This this gig's stopping right now until you tell me who hit my brother with a beer. It was fascinating.
3: It's okay for me to hit him with a beer, but not you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I can hit him in the face with my fist because I'm his brother, yeah. but don't you dare. You know, a little bit of beer on him from you. You're out of it. Now, By Your Side was... Uh, I mean, obviously, and again, something you've talked about beautifully on a number of uh, particularly your chat episodes is that when music comes to you at a certain time and it finds you at a certain place in your life. So it's, it's hard for me to decontextualize by your side because I I got, I got sent home sort of not very well from university and it was just as by your side came out. And I I just, I think I bought the album from a local record shop and they, they let me have the promo material because nobody else wanted it. So I got all, <laughs> I got all the, all the shop promo stuff from the window because they were getting the display. So I had all this great stuff and I went home with all my stuff on my new album. And it was a double CD version, which had, I think, Horsehead and It Must Be Over and something else on the second uh, mm. disc. Um, so I was already getting, you know, some B-side action going on. And I just, I, I, I sort of sent home for a week and to convalesce. And I, and I listened to By Your Side, sort of back to front for a week. And it just sort of bedded into my brain. And, but it's the sound of people with their backs against the wall, you know, and, and I, I, lo- I love that in albums. I love it when, and I didn't know it at the time, obviously I know it now because we can read about these things, but I think maybe I felt that because my back was very against the wall at the time. And it, there's something about it. It's like, we're really up against it here. and We've got to do something. You know, we can't, however great it is, we can't stroke our beards in a mid-tempo any longer. We have to do something and it's going to be this and some people aren't going to like it. And and for me, that's such a great thing that By Your Side has one. It still gets me going, you know, <laughs> even the, the mid-tempo stuff, it still, it still gets my blood pumping in a way that a lot of other Crow stuff doesn't, even though I love the whole catalogue. And there are other things that I would say are possibly, arguably, Better, you know. I mean, is *A more a better album? Yes, you know, is Harmony a better album? Yes, but is this, you know, right up there for me? Absolutely. Uh, but even in the cold light of day, I still look back at it and 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 think, what a great period that was for so many reasons. And 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 the the B sides and even the outtakes, you know, it's such a fertile period with all this all this extra music that came out as well. I love it. Love the whole thing.
2: Well, let me ask you this. Because David and I have debated this many, many times, do you think that the album would have been better suited swapping out some of the album tracks for the the B sides that would come out around the same time?
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to go in early and say, "Peace Anyway" is is absolutely top tier. I think I think a lot of this discussion for me hangs on "Peace Anyway," and it hangs on the the two. So much hangs around "Peace Anyway" for me because the two versions. Of it, uh, obviously, the one on band is is great, and I know, and I know, Ian, you've talked before about the difference being being for you mainly in the introduction that one's a piano and one's an organ introduction, but I I I think that one has that sort of mid tempo beard thing that Steve talks about in the in the book, and one has that cocaine kick up the ass we've got to pull this out of the bag thing going on, and that you know, if they carried on in this sort of slightly polished Kevin Shirley style thing, I don't think it would have worked, but right now, right for this particular moment, I will always listen to the B side from by your side, because it's got that, come on, we've got to do this now. You know, we're focused. We're really, we are on it. We are focused to it. So to answer your question, yes, that has to be on there for me. Uh, I mean, I would take off probably heavy and swap it for. It must be over. Mm. And, maybe diamond ring for grows a rose. So yeah, I think, I think um, there is definitely a better version that's out there, but what I tend to do in my obsession is just have an enormous double albums worth with, <laughs> with, with outtakes like Nightingale song on it as well. And just, just, mm. you know, just really go for it. Cause I, th- I think Nightingale songs is, is amazing. And I think, I think bled to death tomorrow is here. And every little bit would be the other ones I would take. If I was going for like a big mighty double album beast. All right. Let
3: me ask you this if by your side comes out after moneymaker, is it better received by black Crows fans? Yes.
1: I think inevitably. Yes. But also I think that when they, the, the, the what they did with Southern harmony was go, okay, we've done that. Now look at this. <laughs> look right. at how i look at how our musical palette has expanded beyond comprehension in this short, period of time and i think they would they would have had a different fan base They would have had forced to keep making the same album again and again after that um rather than going to different places and trying things out so i I think i think it had to happen when it did and i think it would have been popular in a different way and 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 they would have been a different band if that had happened
2: i also believe that every every album in the, in the order that they come out, you know, they happen for a reason. And I don't think like, if you really like war paint, let's say, yeah, I don't think the band would have gotten to war paint. How they not done by your side. And then why, you know, it's a certain progression and then they're the type of band that grows and changes. And, and that's what, you know, the, the exciting part is seeing what's next, you know,
1: Yes, I think I completely agree with that. I think I think they had to go through this particular phase to get to the phases that, that came afterwards, for sure. Um, I think things you've said in the past about Rich's solo you, so, Rich's Solo career, you have given to me 100%. I was completely unaware of Rich's solo career, I have to say. Um, <laughs> if it wasn't for you guys, I think I listened to the um, – which which album is it? The one that's your favourite album of all time, because I've gone a bit playlisty with Rich.
2: The Ceaseless Sight. Oh. Ceaseless
1: Sight. It was the Ceaseless Sight episode. And, and, You're my and new and best I...
2: friend, okay? <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I listened to that and I thought, oh, am I missing something here? And I went and listened to it and I was like, this is fantastic. And just dug and dug and dug and dug into his uh solo career. And and because because it sounds sonically quite similar to that by your side thing, because of his guitar interplay with himself. Mm. Um, I was very, I was all very already very tuned into the sound in a way that never happened with CRB for me. I kept trying and I kept trying and I kept trying because I desperately wanted to love them. But once I listened to Ceaseless Sight, I was just in love with the whole of Rich's um, catalogue. So there you go.
2: Steve, I, 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 it's, it's funny you bring that up. A lot of people forget about that, that Rich is the only guitar player on By Your Side and yeah. really is it forced him to step into the role of a lead player. I know Mark Ford had mentioned, I don't know where I had read that, but Mark Ford had mentioned he had tried to push Rich into doing more lead work, but it wasn't really till by your side that he kind of did that I mean mostly slide stuff because he's very strong there at the beginning yeah. but I mean he's become a, a really competitive lead guitarist uh, you know in the later days of the band so I he's think a, by your side should be credited for that at least
1: I think so I think he's fantastic on that I mean I don't I don't think it suffers from it's a rhythm player playing with a rhythm player. I think. I think that you know because my, uh, again, I remember on on, on your by your, your side episode, sort of talking about this a little bit. And I'm, I mean, I'm a huge Stones fan, but I'm a Mick Taylor Stones fan. You know, I, I like that. Yeah, uh, it's that run of Mick Taylor albums that that really gets me. And, and I don't think by your side suffers at all. I think he plays both roles and, and I think he, he allows, I mean, who's going to allow you the space to do the perfect lead more than yourself, (laughs) you know, (laughs) he he balances it perfectly. And it just, it sounds like two different guitarists, but it sounds like two different guitarists who are completely interlocked, you know, who understand each other.
3: What I've always thought is funny about him is if it's true, what Mark said, then, you know, that he kind of timid as a, solo with he does some solos he comes out and just plays blistering solos on like uh yeah uh, i ain't hiding you know, which is like it doesn't sound very timid on that
1: no i listened to um i've been listening to a lot of Derek and the dominoes stuff recently which i'm i'm really enjoying and it took me back to rich's cover of got to get better in a little, a little while on, on the woodstock sessions and he's he's melting thing on there i mean the solos on that it's like you know, I had to go and sort of check. I'm like, is this Rich playing? <laughs> you know, and it's they're just absolutely, he is in the same, same with his singing, you know, because some people diminish over time, sort of come out of the gate young and, and, and sort of are amazing. And then they sort of diminish and he's got better. He's got better as a guitar player and better as a singer as he's got older. And it makes you wonder, it's the same with, with Lowell George, actually, because he, I mean, Lowell George, if you listen to that first Little Feet album, he's not that great a singer. Mm. And, and something happens between the first and the second and then the second and the third and from the third onwards you're like this guy's apart from being one of the greatest slide players of all time this is this is one of my favorite singers ever now and it begs the question is this hormonal you know did you (laughs) did you practice did you have lessons what what happened between that and that point that turned you into so much of a better singer
2: you're hundred percent right about that. And I think that's why there's two versions of the song Willin, because uh, you know he became yes. such a stronger vocalist on that second version.
3: Yeah. I there, mean yeah, uh, there, there's the one where he just basically talks.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's so odd because I mean he he becomes just something else. His vocal is is um which is why I like it actually. I like it when um Chris and Rich, or particularly Chris when he talks about little feet he sort of mentioned little feet but then he always says it's you know it's it's lol george that he recognizes and again that's the same thing for me that i don't want to upset anybody but for me it's that thing of the idea of little feet existing now and calling themselves little feet without little george i find uh, difficult i think it's yes. the best word i can come up with
2: i would 100 percent agree now david and i i both had this experience and uh, I was wondering if it might be the same for you. Like, were you introduced to little feet because of the black Crows?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think maybe it was them doing roll em easy on, on brothers of a feather. Mm. It might've been that. I don't know quite what happened, but I went, I went big, big down the little feet hole. And uh, there's some, I mean, it's not all brilliant. It's not all brilliant. And it's very much an arc and it mm. sort of starts, Uh, It starts tentatively and then it finishes in a kind of awful jazz rock fusion. Yeah. And and somewhere in the middle is some of the best music you'll ever hear, but you've got to be, you've got to be prepared to do the work to find it. Um, Yeah. but it, it's really incredibly worth it because they they were a great band but he were, he was just and his solo albums great as well I mean mm. it's, it's it's beyond eclectic it's eclectic to the point of a bit silly but um <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know he he he's just he's phenomenal but little yeah little feet the, the crows totally gave me little feet for sure
3: do you think that the album would have been a little bit better received by people that were diehard fans if some of the lyrics had changed because like, I think the music on am kicking my heart around is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, people, people pick at the lyrics of heavy. Um, but I mean, there's some songs on by your side. I'm not saying there's not, but like kicking my heart around those lyrics. I mean, those lyrics never would have been on three snakes. You know what I
1: mean? absolutely but i mean it's a it's a very straightforward rock song which as far yeah. as i understand it was you know written in sort of yeah. 20 minutes with kevin burley standing over them with a stick saying do it do it do it and <laughs> and, and the, sl- the
3: slide work on that is phenomenal
1: but i don't have a problem with the lyric you, you, you're sort of there's this slight undertone i'm, I'm just sensing there's a little undertone of of you know but the lyric isn't great and i think the lyric is great in the context of that song i, I think heavy i would i would agree oh, with you no more. no Oops.
3: i agree with you more if you're making a fun loud rock album yeah that's but what i'm saying is people that have been with them since the beginning yeah going from you know much for your things to kicking my heart around it's a little yeah. that's what i meant like do you think if do you think amongst people like us if the lyrics had been a little bit more three snakes like but with the music of by your side do you think it'd be a little bit well better received or do you think so many people had made up their mind that non Mark Ford, I'm not going to like it, because I think that's go, that's a big part of a lot for a lot of people.
1: The lyric content of, of um, Three Snakes was so dense because the music was that dense. And I think that the music on By Your Side is that much simpler, that the lyric has to be simpler. to to go with that and I think if he'd written I just don't I don't think it would have worked I think he would have backed himself into a difficult corner where nobody would have been happy Uh, I think he had to play the lyrics pretty much with occasional exceptions like wiggling your toes and things heavy but you know and playing cellos but you know (laughs) I think that he had to play the lyrics this way with this music I don't think he had a choice really
2: I would agree and uh, you know I think some songs do have very strong lyrical content i mean in my opinion by your side is one of their strongest yeah. songs in the catalog and it's very powerful and there's no better example of how powerful it is than when they performed it just the two of them on yeah. uh, i believe conan o'brien if i'm not mistaken
1: the 9-11 thing yeah the,
2: yeah right after 9-11 and it's yeah, just kind of kind of hit in a certain way and and that that song to me has always outlasted any kind of changes in the band
1: but but that's a great example of uh, Stonecraft, in as much as I, I love the fact that you can see that they did sit down and go, OK, this needs a different chorus. We're going to change it if, if it ever stops raining in the same way that I know you prefer, Ian, um, Red Wild Stains as a, as a chorus for Go Faster. But, but Go Faster, for me, the chorus works. It's just the ultimate opening statement because it's this thing of... I know I keep coming back to it but and it's not very articulate but it's this thing of come on we've got to go you know it's like i i, I and and go faster the, the the chorus of that fit with the rest of the lyric for me because it's just like i'm going to spin my wheels as fast as i can i'm going to shave i'm going to dress you know like a crazy man and i'm going to come out dancing and fighting and and yeah i think i think the lyrics were absolutely bang on for that but then exactly like you say about it has to happen where it happens in in the li- in the line of albums I think if you don't like it, you can treat it as a palate cleanser for what comes next, because they couldn't have just carried on doing it that way.
2: I think that what they're doing currently is, is a more successful take on what they were trying to do. on by your side, whereas "Get back to the, to the rock thing, it just seems less maybe forced this time. It seems like almost like by your side, they felt they had to do that. Whereas now they're just kind of doing it because that's what they feel like doing.
1: It is overproduced. I don't, I don't particularly like the production. I feel the production is 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 too slick. And is it only a full? Yes, the only a full with the Al Yankovic video and the, and the single where they've taken bits out of it. Mm. It's it's too far. It for me that crosses a line. It crosses a line into okay. I can I can I could have uh, ignore your over slick production and now you've you've blown it for me and i hadn't seen that you know i hadn't heard that radio edit or seen that video until the last couple of years and i was horrified (laughs) because you know it it was it was like oh wow you know I, i i spend all my time bigging this album up and talking about how much i love it and ignoring the fact that it's kind of dreadfully overproduced but that that was too far too far
2: the, the only thing I will say about Kevin Shirley's production is that he got an amazing drum sound out of Steve Gorman. Yes. Steve Gorman's kind of the star of By Your Side in a way.
1: He is, but oh, this comes back to our discussion earlier about who the Black Crows are. You know, he's also the star of the Black Crows in, in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, it, it's very hard to, and I don't wish to speak ill of the recently deceased, but my issue with the Stones, when I listen to the Stones, is whenever I put on a Stones record, I'll listen to it, and go, yeah, the Stones, and then I'll hear when the levee breaks. Mm. And go, oh man! Imagine if the Stones didn't have a jazz drummer; they had on them <laughs> Can <laughs> you imagine? <laughs> you know, and and the thing is, Goldman is Bonham.
3: It's like we said; it's like a stew. It all works together, and if you take one piece out, mm. you know it doesn't. It doesn't mean the stew's not good. It just doesn't taste like the stew originally yeah. intended. Which song that was on "By Your Side" did you enjoy the most? on 05,
2: 06, when Mark Ford added his touch to it.
1: Welcome to the Good Times? Mm. Yeah, I think.
2: I would I would have to agree with that because on the album version of Welcome to the Good Times, there's the main riff, and then very subtly underneath it, Rich is yeah. playing something that, I don't know how to explain it musically, but if Rich is going up the neck, the other thing's going down. They're like very contrasting. Yeah. They fit together. And Mark brings that up in his performances, and it really adds a new element to the song that was already there it's just amplified that's why i like yeah you're absolutely right on that if when you're ranking the black crows albums where does this fall
1: oh that's so hard Hmm. i mean i mean well the the obvious question the 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 counter question would be ranking them objectively as objectively as i can or ranking them in in just my favorites no just your favorites that's what counts okay (laughs) it's it's probably third
2: which two preceding
1: it the two obvious <laughs> the second and the third oh, right. um yeah i mean i mean they're just unassailable i i i have a i have a little playlist called the Record companion that i make to sort of make my perfect version of those two albums and i just keep swapping it out and swapping it out and you know it, it's you, you can't mess with those two i mean my love my love of by your side is is massive but that's on those those are albums are unarguable
2: See, but you just touched on something that i think is one of the beautiful things about the black crows is you can you make those compilations and then you know six weeks later you're oh i'll take this one out i'll put it in and yeah. there's just so many opportunities and different things and so much material I, I that's that's one of the most attractive things about the black crows to me is it's just there's so much to draw from
1: yeah yeah there's so much out there and it'd be so nice to hear some new music and see where that goes, you know, and see if if that, if that sort of sends us like down the rabbit hole of sessions and B sides and you know things that we can all find on the internet in deep dark corners that we didn't, you know, you know. Here's this one with some extra cowbell. Oh, great! I love the cowbell version. You
2: know? <laughs> well, Steve, you have rapidly become a friend of this program, and you are welcome back here anytime. We do appreciate you joining us this time around, and we will definitely have you back on again. And I know that you're a man that. uh has probably prepared for this moment. So we're <laughs> going to say it is time to pick the play out song, my friend. What do you got for us?
1: See, the reason, the reason is that's like smile in Ian's voice there is because he may have had, uh, sort of mid-month, he may have had me send a, a playlist of at least twenty songs with me that I was vaguely toying with to put. On. He did not respond to that, did he? So I'm left there thinking he thinks I'm a completely obsessive madman. Now I've sent I've sent him twenty songs on Spotify, going oh oh I'm just obsessing over what's put in the podcast. Nothing, totally ghosted me.
2: Can I can I be honest with
1: you? I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm so well sorry. I, probably, I probably shouldn't have brought it up then. Well, so. I was I, honestly, I've been all around the houses on this one, and uh, trying, trying to work out what I wanted to do. But I, I've been thinking because of the of the new EP, you know, there's a lot of questions in my mind about what makes a good cover, you know. And on McCartney and Goal, I often won't vote for covers because I I want original material. But I, I have really enjoyed the 1972 sort of event. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun because they they do bring some crowsness. to to the table you know but but they could have brought even more i think and they could have been they could have been they are fairly straight covers so i was thinking what's you know what's a cover that i really really love that that really takes the original and and does something completely different with it so there's a marvin gay song uh called uh don't do it and 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 for me when the who cover it it's kind of straight and it doesn't it's okay but but when the band cover it on Rock of ages, it's something else. And they they bring they bring a swing to the table that the Who don't quite give it. So I would like to hear, please, gents, uh, the band covering Marvin Gaye's classic Don't Do It
2: from All right, Rock you, of Ages. You got it, man. That's an excellent pick. And again. Thank you so much for coming
3: Thank on. Thank you
1: so much for having me.
3: Tell us where you can find your podcast.
1: Yes. All of the all of the normal places. I mean, Spotify I think the people the places people most go to would be Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Deezer and, and we've got a McCartney and Goal website. But I mean, you know, whatever podcast app you've got, it's it's all there. It's on there.
2: Yes, definitely check out McCartney and Gull. It is a fantastic, fantastic podcast. I recommend it to anybody. You'll definitely love it. And we will see everybody again soon. Stay tall, everybody.